I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Previously on Mentally Yours, he seemed to get a bit better, but then over time, and again, this was gradual, so I didn't really notice. It wasn't like it, you know, he was fine one day and then um, really depressed the next. But his behavior got incrementally worse. And when I refer to behavior, I mean, very withdrawn, uh, wasn't really socializing with his friends very much. If we arranged anything that was a social gathering, he might turn up. More often than not, he would cancel just before we had to leave the house. Mentally yours, from Ellen and Yvette. A podcast on your mental health you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hello everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and this week I'm going to be chatting to Darshan Sangraja. So as well as being a stand-up comic, Darshan does all kinds of things with charity. He focuses basically on men and mental health a lot of the time. We're going to be chatting about various projects and in particular Being Mankind, which is a book he's brought out chatting to different guys about what it is to be a man and also elements of mental health. So my main thing is Super Being Labs, which is the organization that I run. Uh, we're a mission-driven business, so our aim, well, my aim and the team's aim is we want to redesign life that's better for everyone. And we're doing it by working with charities, organizations, individuals, and working on projects that like just change things for people in a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within that, we have our own projects as well, one of which is Being Mankind, which is the book that we published and then within all of that is Super Being Arts, which is the arts part of our work where we're using the arts to try and um, kind of entertain people so they think about things more. Tell me about this book, um, Being Mankind. Being Mankind, we started about two years ago. Volume one's been published and volume two's about to be published. We've written a theatre play and a movie and we're in the midst of trying to get that funded. 
So where did it start? Um, we did a lot of work with young people um, around mental health and sexual violence. And I was talking to a good friend of mine called Mark Lazarus. He's got two kids. And we were like, we should do something about this because um, we're all the positive male role models for, for young boys and girls. And uh, he was like, okay, well, let's do something. Uh, I happen to have a team at Superbeing Labs that I could kind of go back to and give them yet another crazy project. Um, and then we were like, if we're going to try and sort of redefine what masculinity is, um, instead of lecturing about it, why don't we just go and find inspiring people who may have been born as a man, may still be a man, might have changed gender, etc. But they have stories to tell that kind of show that being a human is far more powerful than trying to conform to outdated gender stereotypes. So, but this is 2015, end of 2015, early 2016, and you're trying to tell people this stuff and this is pre me too pre i mean the mental health stuff's really kicking off now but then like there wasn't that many people talking about it who and is this book for fundamentally this book's for anyone the book's used in schools so each book someone buys we give one to a school for free and we have a schools program with it that uses the stories to bring it to life our youngest reader like someone who's read the book themselves probably about 12 um and our oldest reader is about 87 i think eight 86 when he bought the book um and he's a massive fan so that's am i right to thinking that's kind of the heart of it isn't it sort of ideas of masculinity mm -hmm. um because these days we, we chat a bit about um, men and mental health mm -hmm. and sort of some of the the harmful ideas around mas masculinity that um can maybe stop men from opening up what do you think of of the term sort of toxic masculinity it's such a powerful word loaded term that the people that feel attacked by it are often the men who feel like masculinity is being attacked fully um but then everyone else is sort of like actually it's a bit like the black lives matter movement it's not saying that every other life doesn't matter so it talks about all you're saying is part a form of masculinity is not great there's a more positive way of doing things um and that's the message that has to come across it's almost like if someone just reframed it we never use the word toxic masculinity in our materials we talk about positivity we talk about being a human and that's what it comes down to it doesn't matter what your gender is like actually you know if you are someone that just doesn't understand who you are you're going to be frustrated and you're, that's going to manifest itself in anger in in frustration and then that leads to all kinds of harm for, for yourself and those around you so i think things like toxic masculinity often just get misinterpreted by the people that want to misinterpret it one thing that really stood stood out for me when i looked at your website is um you mentioned sort of the term man up because yeah. you have kind of lots of ideas around sort of that and the, the phrase man up i found very i find very interesting personally yeah because you do still see it um, in the media. You get uh, certain certain men on TV, who I won't name, who kind of talk about... I name them. <laughs> <laughs> They'll basically say, oh, you know, men talking about depression, what load of rubbish, yeah. they should just man up. So why is that problematic? I think it's ingrained. Um, one of the things that we do in schools is we have a little icebreaker where we sort of say, okay, here's, here's Ellie and here's Sarah, uh, here's Ben. Which one of them likes football? And everyone's like, Ben loves football. And then they're like, okay, which one of them likes baking? And it's like, oh, Ellie loves baking. And it carries on. And even at the age of seven, it's like kind of inbuilt that the stereotypes are already made in their head. And at the end of it, I remember this one time we asked, we asked them why. And this one time this, this boy who's seven put up his hand and he said, I haven't answered because I haven't met either of them, which is the correct answer. But he's unusual in the sense that every other kid from a very early age, from everything that they see is told that 
people behave in certain ways depending on what gender they are. And with man up, it's such a loaded term, but it's such an automatic term that it's on. You know, we've had, I remember once we were talking to a parent and they were like, oh yeah, we love this project. It's so important. Uh, and then they were just like, sometimes I just say man up to my kid. I don't even know I'm saying it. So it's just ingrained and it's damaging because it sends a message to say behave in a certain way. And no one actually knows what that means. You're like, I don't, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, do you want me to go and beat someone up? Do you want me to, what does that actually mean? So it's a weird thing that I think people use it as a, either by mistake, it's just a natural thing for them to say. And that's, that's not right, but it's just ingrained or they do it purposely to kind of damage someone and say man up so loads of kids just imagine you're going through stuff so if you're you know we've got a knife crime epidemic right now you know we work with lots of young people and like you know they'll often tell us that they're told to behave in a certain way by people older than them and um so that kind of vulnerability to be able to say i'm scared is not allowed all they can do is carry a knife with them because you're not allowed to be scared if you have a mental health problem you can't be like i need help because they'll be like well grow up um these kind of things are really damaging so i think Words are powerful and words are even worse when no one knows what the hell thing you're saying means. You're like, I don't know what man up means. So our mission is to try and get rid of that word. There's lots of other things right now that, you know, 20 years ago that we would have said naturally, like people would have said naturally, but society's grown up and moved on and you wouldn't say it anymore. Mm. So why man up? Pretty much everyone in my year was saying um, things like, oh, something's gay. Exactly. And, and that was an insult. I remember my form teacher at the time saying, you shouldn't say that, you know, like to the, she was saying this to the class, you know, you shouldn't be saying this phrase because that is fundamentally homophobic. But we just sort of we just picked up this phrase. But you're right. I mean, thankfully, things have moved on since then. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were at school and one of the one of the boys, we put up a thing. We said, have you ever heard of the term man up? And have you ever had to turn up um, the term don't act like a girl? And he was like, yeah, I think it's a great term. And we were like, oh, OK, here we go. And then he went. I think it's a great term because what's wrong with being a girl? Okay, so he got it and he was, I think, nine. Um, so there are definitely kids who get it and are pushing back. So things like don't be so gay, not, like as you just said, even not homophobic, don't actually mean, doesn't mean anything. What does that actually mean? So same way, this doesn't. So I'm hopeful that as we get a generation that learns to think more, they will be very conscious of what they're saying and realise that actually if something doesn't make sense, don't say it. And if something is harmful, don't say it. What surprised you about working with um, the young people that you have? Because it sounds like a really fascinating and sort of rewarding role. Yeah, actually the biggest surprising thing is the parents who are either on side or really off, off, off side. They just don't want to, this to be in schools. I think because we're challenging norms that for them are kind of set. Like you don't, certain parents think you shouldn't do certain things. Like you don't want, um, I remember this one parent sort of said to me, um, weirdly, his kids had learned about this project in their school and he didn't mention the project, but he was saying how they'd been working with this book and he was really upset by it um, because there's a bit around um, sexual identity. And he's like, oh, my daughter and son don't know about that kind of stuff. And now suddenly they do. Now they won't stop talking to me about it. So he doesn't want them to understand that actually your identity is really important to who you are and you have the freedom to choose which way to go. It's a generational thing, isn't it, a lot of the time as well? And also sometimes possibly a cultural thing in terms of you know, whether it's all right to sort of talk about um, sexuality or, mm. well, even the sort of the masculinity. What was your personal motivation for this project? I think it interconnects with a lot of the social impact areas that we work on. You know, I've been following the Everyday Sexism Project for a long time. We're all the entire team are feminists, but we're like, actually, if we don't solve it from the root, it's not going to, we're not going to make progress quick enough. Um, so that was one big thing. And the other thing was if we can get boys to kind of grow up into men who 
if they if you know whatever gen they are but if we grow up into adults and humans who um are deeply empathetic to people around them because they understand themselves they're confident enough to do that then actually that has a multiplier effect for everything else in society so that was a big motivation for us but also just um all the kids that we worked with like you're just like if you have and we've had we've had even parents sometimes um sort of say to us if if only we had this when we were younger because some of them have had mental health um conditions that they haven't ever been diagnosed from and now they're suddenly starting to realize what it was or they've had kids who've opened up to them as a result of the project um and they're like that never would have happened because in our house we don't talk about this stuff so we're thank we're thankful for it but we've had other people who've read the book and sort of said oh, i was on the precipice and then suddenly these some of these stories made me think again about getting the help i needed and we just think that's powerful stories are powerful you've, you've managed to get someone who was part of a gang talking about what sounds like sort of mental health issues that can't have been easy. When Jenny and Priya were working on this, they we started off by writing like a protocol of where you'd find the kind of person that would be a positive male role model. Um, and then as we started, the first ones are really hard because everyone's like, what is this about? Never heard of such a concept. Um, I don't really want to tell my story because then I might it might be part of something weird. Um, so the first ones we kind of went through friends and just went, look, we're looking, does anyone want to tell us a story? And then it may come much easier to kind of find those people. Uh, and then people knew people. So Anthony Joshua, for example, wrote the foreword, but we got him because someone in the book um, was part of his training team. And he was like, I could get him to, I could ask him. And then he did that before he was like really hitting the big time. And now that we have a book out, it's even easier. We have people writing to us all the time, sort of saying, can we, can we part of this? Um, really big people as well who are like, I really want to tell a story and I want to show you that, uh, you know, there are different ways of being a human that people just don't tell you about. Thanks very much to Darshan. So one of the things that I found particularly interesting about our chat was the language that we use around masculinity, um, in particular the kind of ideas that we have around boys from quite a young age, phrases like man up, and also just generally the importance of language. Also the importance of going into schools to talk about to kids about things like this. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. If you've been affected by any of the things we've been chatting about in this week's show, please ring the Samaritans. They're on 116123 or go to samaritans.org. Thanks very much to producer Sam Bonham and also to Lucy Baker for the jingles. And thanks to our guest. You can join us online. We have a Facebook group called Mentally Yours, where we chat about everything to do with mental health. Also, we've got a Twitter account. It's Mentally Yours with YRS at the end. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. 
Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.